When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. I'm Alan Alda, and this is Clear and Vivid, conversations about connecting and communicating. The last time I was in California, I visited with Sarah Silverman at her kitchen table, and we had this really interesting conversation. Sarah sees some of the barriers that exist between us in our culture now, and she's dedicated to using her comedy talents to doing something about it. I'll tell you what I've learned doing this show is that no one changes their mind from you yelling at them or giving them even facts. But mostly I just want to love them and, and for us to have our porcupine needles down. Sarah Silverman's new show is called I Love You, America. And she brings people together on the show who don't always agree with her. And by the end of the show, even though they still might not agree, they often leave as friends. And the interesting thing is she doesn't just reach out to people on her show. She also does it in her life. Thing in my cupboard. You got to eat. Doesn't yeah. matter when you eat. No. As we begin... Sarah and I are about to talk about whether people nowadays can actually listen to one another. But we're not rushing into the hard stuff. First, we're trying to establish some kind of contact just between the two of us. Do you get nervous when you perform? Sometimes. Yeah, really? I I did for a long time. And then I just, uh, I, I found out that I was just more alert rather than nervous. Right, right. It's good to be alert. That's true. When you do the show, do you? Do, I'm just curious. This is just me being curious. Do you? Uh, are, are, have you learned that stuff, or when you do a monologue, or are you reading it? How do you handle that? Oh, well, there's a, a teleprompter in the camera in the camera that I'm looking yeah. into, but I I'm really not reading it by then. I practice it so that I'm I'm more looking at it in the teleprompter, like like bullet points. If I were reading it, then I, it would feel more like I was reading it. But I, I know it enough that I can look away and, and yeah, then come yeah, back yeah, to yeah. it. That, that's good. And, it, and I never, I always, my brain always changes the articles, the little words the anyway, little, <laughs> you know, like to make it feel. Don't, don't you find you you change a word in the middle of a sentence, even if it's something that you're not reading, you accidentally change a word. And then you have to suddenly think, how can I get out of this sentence alive? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got to make this sentence work with that little the I put in instead of a. Uh. And also with comedy, too, it's sometimes something won't work and it won't work and I'll give up on it. And then 
the thing that fixes it is a breath uh, or a space or a yeah. tiny word or a... And all of that happens in the moment, right? Yeah, it's just, that's the thing with stand-up especially is it's just stage time. You can't, you can only practice in front of a mirror so much, you know, or like at home. It's just because it, you need the audience to help you. That awareness of the audience, it seems to me, I think it's, it's what I see in you, in, in your work when you perform, and what I even saw of you on Twitter when you're writing. I see such a connection with the people you're communicating with that really feeds into my obsession with communication. It's really why I wanted, to, I wanted so much to talk to you on this, this podcast, because that seems to me to be the essence of communication, to be really tuned into the person you're talking to. I and agree. you really seem to be doing You've got this empathy with the people you're, you're trying to connect with. Yeah, well, I... I I, too, am very interested in connection, and this show especially is, that's our goal, because it's not changing minds. If that happens, that's frosting on the cake. But I'll tell you what I've learned doing this show, is that no one changes their mind from you yelling at them or giving them facts or poll numbers, even facts, you know? Mm -hmm. Sometimes facts drives them further into their belief. Exactly. It makes them dig in harder because it's tapping into... And I don't mean to say them. It's true of all of us. Not them, capital T, them. All of us. It's true. Yeah. I mean, just objectively, when Obama was president and people would say he wasn't born in the United States, (laughs) I would say that's ridiculous. Uh And I, of course, still feel that way, but... I have to at least go, okay, that's me. I mean, maybe that's not a good example. It's insane. He's from Hawaii. (laughs) (laughs) But there are people who, you know, I went to visit a family and she said, oh, well, I I think Obama was born in Africa. So how did you handle that, knowing that you believed factually incorrect? Nothing would come out of me going... Well, actually, by then we were close enough. We were mm. we were friends enough for me to go, Brandy, mm. you know. And she said, "Well, I'm just saying, you know." Yeah, and we just yeah. kind of laughed. But you, in a way, your connection to her that you had established, in a way, opened you opened you both up to be a little looser about these hardcore beliefs or attachment to what you both believe. Yeah, facts. you know. I mean, some people got frustrated watching it because they talked about how Obama, you know, just get, handed out money, here you go, and and those are people who don't deserve it, and they do deserve it, and, blah, blah, and talking about insurance. And then I asked what insurance they have, and they didn't know, and they were on the Affordable Care Act. They had Obamacare, you know, or, <laughs> or Medicaid, or these yeah. things that are now being threatened. And I didn't... S- Pointed out to them in the moment, and then we decide, and then we wondered if we should kind of do some kind of fact check as we air it, you know, like write something on the bottom. And we just decided, like, they they exposed themselves, and they're good people mm. who are just um, their truth is not true, but it, you know. It, uh, 
I'm not being very articulate, but well, I think the, our point was we just wanted to connect and to leave there with them. You know, it was, they were very nervous. They were going to feel judged. Mm-hmm. And um, and our point was to not judge, you know, and to just connect. I mean, this was, we had, it was um, family dinner with a, a family that all voted for Trump who had never met a Jew. They Googled Jew. You're kidding. No. <laughs> And, you know, to leave there and just give these big hugs and to care about these people and to, you know, going into it, we both had preconceived notions. That's always how it will be because that's how brains work. We fill in what we don't know with with something. Yeah, yeah. What I love about this whole description you're, you're giving us here is that you're not only aware of them, you're aware of what they're probably thinking and feeling. As you communicate with right. them. Right. But mostly I just want to love them and and for us to have our porcupine needles down, you know? Yeah, well, that's, the, that's the, the thing that really got me. What really made me want to talk with you is when I saw that exchange you had on Twitter with the guy. I was just talking with him when you got here. You're kidding. <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, start at the beginning for anybody who doesn't know this story. You know, I, I don't see every comment on Twitter. I, I try to shield myself from most of it, mostly just so that I can stay brave and express myself and not not express myself. But um, I happened to see somebody just, he, he just called me the C word. Mm-hmm. Just that one word, that was the whole tweet. Yeah, simple. Yeah, yeah. economical. yeah. <laughs> And um, I just clicked on his avatar. I was just curious. It made me a little curious where he was coming from. And then I saw his tweets, and they were so filled with rage, but not about anything in particular, just rage. And then among them was a tweet about his his severe back pain. <laughs> mm. And I saw that he was just in pain, which is a lot, most of, Maybe all of rage <laughs> comes from pain, you know, physical or emotional. And so I just, I tweeted a loving gesture towards him, which... Can you remember what you said? I just said, I see that you're in so much pain. I looked at your tweets and you're in so much pain. And, and I, saw, I remember something like you, uh, you must have been terribly hurt at some point in your life. Did you say that? Yeah, just something like this is your this is rage that is 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 thinly, very thinly masked pain. And yeah. my heart, you know, breaks for you. I don't know what it was exactly anyone can look. But he immediately opened up. I mean, I think he he didn't have people in his life that um were concerned. After we talked, I looked back over Sarah's Twitter exchange and her exact words that neither of us could remember were, I believe in you. I read your timeline and I see what you're doing and your rage is thinly veiled pain. But you know that. She told him, I know this feeling. And she said she had unbearable back pain too. She closed with, see what happens when you choose love. I see it in you. 
Surprisingly, instead of answering with more anger, he wrote back, I can't choose love. A man took that away when I was eight. I can't find peace. If I could find that guy who ripped my body, who stripped my innocence, I'd kill him. He ended with, I'm poor, so it's hard to get help. Sarah tweeted him a list of support groups near where he lived. She said everyone in these groups suffered sexual abuse. Go to one. And astonishingly, astonishing to me anyway, he wrote back, Thank you very much. I will. Thank you so very much. And they've been in contact ever since. You have this impulse, it's expressed in the show that, you're, that we're, we were talking about, I Love You, America. This, this impulse to bring people together to, to, to get rid of the conflict, the tug of war that we tend to have with one another and have a more cooperative thing where we're all pulling in the same direction in some way. Well, and, but you expressed it toward this stranger who had called you a curse word. Yeah. You didn't block him. You didn't ignore him. This ability to, to see what's under the troublesome thing they say, the troubling thing they say, is really interesting. And uh, the episode where you went to Nashville and you wrote that song, and it, it came out really about your mother, right? Yeah. I loved that. That was a very moving. Thank you. Very moving episode. What, 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 what would, can you describe, do you mind describing what the problem was between you and your mother? I I don't know. You know, I think there are a lot of things. And I, you know, it's, she was struggling with depression. Mm-hmm. She was in bed a lot. And I, I really understand that in a lot of ways. But as a kid, you need your mom to be mm-hmm. brave and strong, you know. And, and uh, I mean... You know, it, it was a real dichotomy because in one, in some ways she really saw me and she would, or she'd tickle my back till I fell asleep sometimes mm. or she'd sing to me and, you know, but other times I was, she really, I mean, I think it's the story of so many people that go into show business. I mean, my mom was lost in her people magazines, you know, mm. like she knew everything about every celebrity every you know who dated who who all these things from new hampshire and i was an athlete i i i was a big athlete but my mom was not interested she never went to one game mm. <laughs> but i think somehow i think i felt like if i could get into people magazine she would see me you know what i mean <laughs> she loved that stuff you know but she loved, you know, Rachel Maddow, Rachel, 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 you know, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. And I, so then I did this thing that I ended up going on Rachel's show. And, and your mother finally saw you. And I said my mom's name and, and Rachel, I said, oh, my mother, you know, watches you over, you know, all these things that I wouldn't normally but I just so was so so excited to be on my mother's favorite show and saying her name and, and. Rachel said, hi, Mrs. Silverman. And I said, no, no, it's O'Hara, you know, and, and I had a terrible appearance because I was so focused on, so excited, <laughs> never heard from her. Oh, you're kidding. The next day I call her, I go, did you see me? I was on, I said your name on Rachel Maddow. She said, yeah, I saw. Oh. And I, 
I feel terrible. Not these are her overalls. I mean, I. I love oh, my mom. She was, you know. Interesting. You're wearing her overalls. Yeah, and she was an amazing woman. I feel, you know, it. But it, it, you but have you, these you dichotomies little, with with your parents, well, right? You sound a lot like my relationship with my mother because my mother was schizophrenic and paranoid, and I had this. She was a good mother in many ways. She told me you can do anything, and told me so many times. I believed it, and went out and did anything. But on the other hand, she also told me many times that I was trying to kill her because she was paranoid. And she thought there were people in the closet and cameras in the wall taking pictures of us. And it was difficult. And I felt, I think, very much like what you described, that I wanted a mother and I didn't have one. And I blamed her for it because I didn't, I wasn't old enough to understand it wasn't her fault. But when you got to Nashville... And you were writing that song, and you got to that amazing phrase in the song where you said, somebody broke her. I'm stronger than hell Because somebody broke her She was never there But she was always there You understood that she wasn't really responsible for the pain she caused you somehow. I don't know. How would you describe it? Did that just come to you in that moment? Yeah. Um, I think Lee may have come up with that ultimately, like the song the songwriter I was working with, yeah. uh, Lee Thomas Miller, a Republican uh he was uh, terrific. He was oh. very straight, very, uh, he didn't, he didn't uh, mince words. He was so afraid I was going to talk about politics. And at the end of the day, he goes, oh, you didn't talk about politics at all. I said, it wasn't on my mind, yeah, you know? Yeah, and, and it And it taught me something, too. You know, he's, he's a Republican, whatever that means. But to me, he's not. And, and maybe to him... I'm not what he thinks of as a liberal Democrat. I don't know. But sometimes I meet people, like, you know, when we talk on the show and I go, you're, a, you're like me. You must be yeah. a, a liberal Democrat. So I think that we're less, we're more alike than we think. When we come back, Sarah and I talk about a scene from her show that sticks in my mind as an example of what a difficult challenge Sarah has set herself. She goes down with her cameras and sets them up in a firehouse in a small town in Texas where most people voted for Trump. Sarah didn't vote for Trump, and there are a number of other things that they don't agree on. And yet Sarah's determined to find something that brings them together. And in a pretty unpredictable way, she does. Be right back. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. 
all of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. This is clear and vivid. And now back to my conversation with Sarah Silverman. One of the things that I think I've discovered about communicating is what you're talking about, which is when you find some bond, some commonality between you, some way in which you both realize you're very much alike, could be quite apart from anything that has to do with how you're not alike or how you th- view things differently. But if you see that commonality, it becomes a lot easier to talk. You don't think this person can't think, this person doesn't know the facts. You, you tend to listen a little more. Right, exactly. Well, that, that's why I say, I go, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather bond about anything. Uh, uh, oh, you watch The Walking Dead? So do I. I, yeah. I hated Carol in season one. Now she's my everything. <laughs> you know, like, and it, it's, it, it, it doesn't matter what you're connecting over. But once you connect your porcupine needles, your defenses come down. Yeah. And then only then can you be open. And it's the same. And as much as I see it in other people, it's because I'm seeing myself in them. You know, there is there's some kind of ego involved. And maybe that part of it is even healthy that if we see ourselves in each other, I mean, then again, do you have to be able to see yourself in someone else to have empathy for them? I don't know. You know, I I think the idea is you feel what they feel because you it it seems like it's happening to you. Yeah. So it's a sort of an automatic thing. But this searching for some kind of common thread between you is a way maybe maybe to help empathy happen on both sides. Maybe as you say, the porcupine needles go down. Yeah. But it is I mean one thing that's interesting that I I try to remind myself of is I think that anytime we don't want to hear, anytime we're worried about hearing someone else's ideas or opinions because it might change our own, mm. that's when we should be questioning what we believe. You know, any any religion that that makes you need to shield yourself from hearing any other ideas because you might not believe those sets of things anymore is something you should question, you know. Well, I, I learned that on the stage as a young actor that I'm, I'm changed by the other person if I'm really listening to the other actor. And that makes me say whatever I have to say with some credibility because I'm not just saying what I memorized. I'm saying something in response to the other person who has just changed me. That's un- that's amazing. I love that. And that turns out, I think, to be what happens in life and what I see you doing. You you are, seem to be encouraging people to listen. And if you listen, I see, I really think in life that you're not really listening unless you're willing to be changed by yes. this other person. 
And if and it sounds it's a crazy thing to say. It's very radical because very often people say things to you that you your impulse is to go, How can I get out of here? This person is crazy or Right. But if you say, wait, there must, maybe there's something in there that I'm not hearing. You know, in show business, even when you get notes from executives, your yeah, first instinct yeah. is, fuck you. I don't know who can swear on this, you know, but first you have to figure out what the spirit of the note is, because yeah. these are people who may not be communicating what it is exactly that they have a problem with or that they want to see changed or, you know, what. So you have to kind of. Figure out the spirit of what their note is. That's a perfect example. Isn't it kind yeah, of, it's very really, show busy, but I'm sure yeah. it, it, it makes sense. But everybody in any gets industry. notes. Somebody has to write a report for the boss in some company. Right. The boss is going to say, What's this paragraph? What, this, this is no good. Get rid of this one. Go get rid of it. That's my best paragraph, you know? Right. And, and, but you know what? Even I learned early from a great writer named Larry Charles. We worked together and we get a note. And I'd go, oh, screw you! They don't even get it, man. You know, whatever. <laughs> and he, but he said, who cares? It, it doesn't matter. The worst notes may still make your stuff better because you're forced to look at it from another angle, and you're given a boundary. And good things come out of boundaries because you have to figure out how to get around it or how to how to. It still makes your stuff better, hopefully. You know? Yeah, that's that's really well put. And that's just as radical as the thing I tried to come up with, which is the worst note makes it a little better. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, right. that's really good. And that also just makes you relax. Yeah. But I do think um, what you said is exactly to, to let yourself be changed is something For the that's- possibility of change anyway. Somewhere in this person's tirade is something that could change me for the better. What is it? What could it possibly be? It makes you a more active uh, listener instead of just waiting until they'll stop this terrible thing. And even if their tirade is coming from, is misplaced anger about something else entirely, it can change you. One on the surface, it can change you just in the way that somebody yelling at you in traffic, that energy is catchy. You know, but yeah. it can also change you in in going. I wonder where that's coming from in this person. You know, and and if you find the root of it, even if they're not aware of it, if their knee jerk reaction is rage, but if you can find, usually what's upsetting them is something real. Yeah, I can remember several times somebody gave me the finger in traffic, and and my first reaction was the same to you. Right. The next reaction, when I was lucky, was where did that come? Did I do some, Did I cut him off inadvertently? You know. This is an excellent example of my dad. He got pulled over by the cops. He rolled down his window, and the cops said, "Do you know why I pulled you over?" He said, "I have no idea, but I'm sure I did it." <laughs> but I've done things in traffic. I immediately rolled down my window. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And there that. Rage like that on their face just it melts. It melts, yeah. And it's you know it's almost addictive. Is it manipulative? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that positive energy is just as catchy as if the you're negative not, energy. If you're not trying to get people to do something that's not in their interest to harm them in some way, if you're not doing that, to be proactive about making contact with them. I don't think you can call it manipulative. I know. Well, I do ask myself, I go, oh, is this manipulative? But I know it will make them happy and and open, you know. But also, is it 
up to me to decide like, no, yeah, this is I the know, good kind of manipulation, yeah. but I'm just trying very hard to be my best self. It's a practice, you know, like I've dealt with a lot of rage, anger, downward spirals, you know, and so it's just a, it's a process. You I've know? seen that with empathy too. It, you, we probably all come in with some capacity for it, but it sometimes needs to be built up. And it goes away. I've seen it go away in myself. I've seen, I've, I've gone through a period where I actually, I actually try to build up my empathy. Mm. I work on it. And then I get good at it and get smug. And then I think I have it. And I realize I'm actually thinking, this stupid schmuck, when's he going to stop talking? You know? Yeah. Or is this, if there's, you know, if there's a, a, a any hair of condescension in your empathy, uh, you people said sense it. it. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like as a comedian, you know, as a, the, at the audience can smell any fraudulence, any, yeah. any fakeness, any, you know, even if you're doing a character that's insecure or nervous, <laughs> they have to know there has to be something transcending that tells them, you know, you have this under control and you know what you're doing so that yeah. they can relax. I don't know what my point was. Uh, I wasn't listening. <laughs> It, it's a challenge to do comedy that is earnest and 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 looks to connect. Because, and I'm not saying, listen, I love The Daily Show. I love all these other shows that are appointment television for me that are so funny. But they're um, they're a little bit based on making people look stupid that yeah. we don't agree with. So I want this show more than anything to be funny, to be silly, to make people laugh. But it is a challenge because I also don't want to, you know, to use, I hate to use a Sarah Palin reference, but like do any kind of gotcha yeah, stuff. Right, you know, I want right. to connect. And then I find the comedy in other ways. And, and, some, and let them be in on it. You know, when I said to the, one of the guys in the firehouse, I said, are you, I said, do you believe that when Jesus comes back, you believe Jesus is coming back. Do you believe that you will recognize him in whatever form he comes back? He said, of course. I said, I'm Jesus. He said, no, you're not. I went, oh! <laughs> but it's just, to be able to joke around without yeah. anyone being the butt of it. Right, you know? right. And they, um, they knew they weren't going to be the butt. And to me, that that firehouse scene, which people ought to, or to hear because mm. it's a watch. It's a very interesting moment. They were all sitting around in chairs, and you established with them a number of things you didn't agree about. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you found a common thread that you all were attached to. It was the most amazing, un- unexpected commonality I could imagine. Well, I realized that um, we all can have different opinions. We all might disagree, but everybody has a humiliating story involving shitting. <laughs> so you said... Talked about blue states, we've talked about red states. Let's talk about brown states. Have you all ever shit your pants? That's so awful, I'm sorry, that's so rude. I'm in the South. Have y'all ever shit your pants? I got one. I got one. I met a guy. We dated two times. And we're going to the grocery store and I'm going in to get bread and I come back out and He's gone. Next thing I know, his sister pulls up. And I'm like, huh, where's Kevin? 
She goes, he shit his pants. And I was like, what? Anyways, I ended up marrying him, having two kids. Oh my God. And I had so many poop stories about his two children, because DNA is very strong. So this date shit his pants, and you were like, this is the one. A friend of mine's vacation was ruined. Uh, he was standing in front of the mirror shaving and decided he would just let one go. Uh, needless to say, it was solid. Not just, uh, um, so as he clinched, he threw his back out and ruined the rest of his vacation because he could not stand up straight or hard to walk. You're back okay now? I had a flat tire, so I pull over to change the tire and start jacking the car up, and I think I struggled too hard when I pushed one down and pushed one out, I guess, and just completely just annihilated. I mean, I couldn't even wear the, I couldn't even wear the pants home. Well, we've run the gamut. Politics, shitting, human rights. Which is all tied together, really, if you think about it. It really is. We're all connected. And you guys are now liberal Democrats. I just made it happen. And I'm Jesus. To me, that firehouse scene was a kind of, in a way, proof that what you're aiming for is working. Everyone I talk to on my show has changed me. Oh, tell me about that. You know, my first... Tell me about one person who changed you. I give you like a sentence on a few of them. My first guest was Megan Phillips Roper, who grew up in the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, it was all she knew, everything she loved. Her whole family is the Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, you know, her grandfather, Fred Phelps, is the co-founder of it. She grew up going to soldiers' funerals with God hates fags signs. Mm. And... What changed her was she became the head. They, they made her in charge of social media when social media started getting big because they wanted to spread their word. And instead, a few people, a lot of people came towards her with rage. I was probably one of them out there. Mm -hmm. And a few people came towards her with love and changed her, opened up her whole world. She saw people grieving for people who died, you know, and that was something that was new for her, you know, and or, or just humanity. And she was changed and she left. She said, um, these aren't bad people that go into extremism. They're, they're, they're vulnerable people being lured by bad ideas mm -hmm. at a vulnerable time. And even when she said that, I thought, well, and then I realized I was talking to her, someone who yeah. so was that was the change that. that you went through. Ew. Yeah, that was a big change for me. Um, we, I had a, a, a white, ex-white supremacist, neo-Nazi, um, Christian Picciolini, who was changed by a kind person who saw more in him than his hatred. And, you know, when I asked him what advice he would give, he said, find someone who doesn't deserve your compassion and give it to them. <laughs> because that's what happened to me. Wow, these are smart Oh, my God. And then, uh, you know, I think people are very afraid to be changed. Just like even I've, I know some people that cannot say sorry. <laughs> and I, I'm not sad for me. It's not a, but it heart, breaks my heart for them because they don't know the joy of being sorry, being wrong. And, and even again, just when you apologize, when you are sorry for something, seeing 
the person who's receiving that apology be so relieved and happy and to be able to provide that, you know, is genuinely. I know when I'm able to do it simply and um, not faking it. Yeah. It's a ter- it's a wonderful feeling of relief. You get flooded with a little dopamine. You resist it because you think it's going to hurt. And instead yeah. of hurting, it feels good. I wonder why we think it's going to be painful. I don't know. But I mean, I think We're our afraid somebody will take advantage of our vulnerability, maybe. He is. I mean, I, I think our president is someone who, if he wasn't ruining people's lives, I would... My heart would break for him. I mean, really, he is mm. clearly someone who is severely hurt at a young age, is is emotionally stunted. I, I think it, you know, when people talk about women and take being in office and stuff, I mean, I really want that to happen more and more, but even more so just get the people out of our office who are in office because of daddy issues. <laughs> I mean, that alone issues. is killing us. <laughs> We go to wars over because of this stuff, because of people's unresolved, leaders' unresolved issues with There's a childhood. lot of layers upon layers of caring about people you have to go through. You're going to <laughs> get into not only the people with the daddy issues, but the daddies and their daddies, and, and, and it goes, goes back. I know, and that's mental health. It's just, it's so important, and it's it's another thing that I think the people in power are don't w- want to invest in because that their base is um ugh, I don't know, I'm gonna get in trouble but I mean you know they want people uneducated they want people with uncared for mental issues you know and mental issues are all of us like it has to start from but not all people school. who don't agree with the liberal agenda want people who are uneducated you're right thank you're right <laughs> I'm sorry. But I do think at the highest level. I mean, the, when we say they, it makes it easy. You're right. And it makes it easy to be resisted. You're right. Us. I mean, it's what you were just telling me. I know, but I wasn't yeah. living it, was I? But what about this? I mean, it raises another question in my mind. What about how politicians who we... All of us, no matter what political stripe we wear, our politicians will tell us, I'll fight every day for you. And the fight for what you believe in is not understanding and empathy. When you fight, you you objectify the other person as wrong and worth losing to you. Yeah. That's, that's not a vulnerable position to take. So is there a point at which... You think you have to put down your empathy and fight? Oh, excellent question. I don't know the answer to because then, of course, you think of things that must be fought mm. to, to change. Then you think of things that were fought and they didn't bring about change. I mean, you can win a war. It's not going to make people not hate Jews or not right. be racist. It won't change their minds. Yeah. Feelings change people's minds. Sarah's emotions were certainly stirred up when the comedian, writer, and director Louis C.K. shockingly fell from grace in the early days of the Me Too movement. She tells me how hard she struggled to come to terms with it, and finally, how she did 
when you see somebody behave badly towards somebody else, it's no matter how much you care about them, it's hard to to, rec- to, to justify those two personas. I mean, I, you spoke movingly about Louis C.K., where you were expressing the same thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, he's my brother. I mean, I've known him yeah. since I was 19. Wow. And, um, and he's also an amazing person. And he's, so, we're all so many things. I got a call from him the next day after that video went out, and I was nervous to see his, I was happy but nervous. Maybe, I don't know if he was angry with me, but, and then. You know, after, you, after you did the piece on him on, yes. on the show. And he said, I need to talk to you. And he thanked me because he said he's got two daughters. And, you know, at this point, all he cares about is that he's got his daughters, yeah. you know. And. And his daughters are lovely kids. They're amazing. And he, I've seen interactions between him and them, and he seems to be really connected and thoughtful about how he relates to them. It really is was yeah. nice to see. His shooting schedule on his show was around the his schedule with the kids. Mm-hmm. Getting them to school and things like that. Yeah, he had them like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So he shot Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you mm-hmm. know, Sunday. Yeah. And, um, but I interrupted you. But he, he only cared. That, he that said, "I younger, have to talk to you." The, his younger daughter was fiercely defensive of him, and you know, and and he actually had to tell her, you know, all well, these people are just doing their job, and we, you know, you know. But but her, his older daughter, he felt he had kind of lost, and she came over and she showed him the piece I did, and she said, I can love you even though you did bad things. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, I was, we were both crying, you know, but, yeah. um, you know, it's a and, very... And, I, and I, I, the, the, what was so interesting about that piece that you did about Louis was that you didn't mince words about how bad you felt what he did was and how real people had suffered and women had had their lives negatively impacted their careers yeah. for, uh, and 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 you didn't minimize that at all but we're able to say can you in fact you put it as a question as i remember can you love somebody who you know has done something really bad yeah and you do you can't you can't help it yeah and then hopefully people you know, this movement, it's funny, you know, some people are really reacting to the Me Too, you know, Time's Up movement. I mean, it's it must be a very scary position for white men in general or men in power or men at all, you know. And a lot of men are looking back at their, you know, we're, we all are. We all were complicit in a society that, that viewed the world through a male's perspective, you know. And, um, and all we can do is... Accept the past is look at the past and 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 learn from it and be changed. Mm-hmm. All of us, you know. Um, but I, you know, I see a lot of guys going, "Oh, your life, women's lives, our lives are in women's hands right now," you know. And that's a very scary well, feeling. It's been the other way around for about right, but, fifty thousand years. Right? The hope is that that scared, angry feeling turns into. Oh, that's how it's been for them up until yeah, now. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. and then maybe convert that into empathy, and then now we can all be together in this, you know. 
Oh, this is great. Let's just say goodbye or we'll talk all day. Okay, I know. I'm sorry. I could go no, on and on. No, me too. I'm, I don't want to take your time up. Let me ask you, see if you want to do this. Okay. I thought it would be a good idea to end every show with seven questions, seven quick questions that deserve quick answers, just a word or two. It'll give us a little insight into how you feel about relating to other people and how you do it and that kind of thing. Yeah. So this, these questions are a start. Ooh, okay, that's such a so, great idea. Okay, so number one, what do you wish you really understood? That's brutal. <laughs> I can't think of a... Can we come back to it? <laughs> We're going to have to come back to all of the Okay, what do I wish I really understood? You. My mother? Oh, good. See, isn't that good? <laughs> That's good. Okay. What do you wish other people understood about you? Mm, I don't know. I, I don't know how people perceive me. Oh, I'm terrible at this, Alan Alda. <laughs> well, just like go with what first occurs. It sounds like you're censoring something. I did. I was oh, going to say did. that oh. I need to be spooned. Well, that's an interesting answer. See, if you go with your first answer, I want to be spooned. That's yeah. great. Outer I don't know spoon. what it means, but it's really good. What's the strangest question anyone ever asked you? One of those first two, I think. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to be on your top 10 list. How do you, oh, this is interesting to me. How do you stop a compulsive talker? What do you do? You know, it's very hard because um, you'd think talking yourself might do it, but it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I think you just listen until they're done. Or um, sometimes I tell people I, um, I have to go, I have diarrhea. <laughs> nobody can argue with that, but it is not true. It's a lie. I'm telling them all. all right. <laughs> We're learning so much here. Would, uh, here's one about bad news. Would you rather deliver bad news in person, on the phone, or by carrier pigeon? <laughs> I was going to say uh, one of those like um, uh, the, airplane signs. <laughs> yeah. So you don't like to deliver bad news. So um, you would pick carrier pigeon. My honest answer is I probably would... It would probably be a well-thought-out email, but I probably should do it in person. I know the right answer is in person. Not necessarily. It depends on who you are and what, you, and what you're comfortable with. Well, okay, here's the last one. <laughs> what, if anything, would make you end a friendship? Uh... I don't know. I'm, I, I, I'm a friend for lifer. Oh, this is great. Thank you so much. I really, I've enjoyed this so much. I feel like I mean, we should start now. Are the mics working? Yeah. <laughs> Thank oh. you so much. I had a great time. Thanks. This has been Clear and Vivid. At least I hope so. Sarah Silverman's new show, I Love You America, is entertaining and it's funny. And it'll make you think about our society in a different way. You can watch the show on Hulu, and the new season of I Love You, America starts on Hulu on September 6th. If you're not already following her, you can follow Sarah on Twitter at 
at Sarah K. Silverman. She's irreverent and she's smart. For this episode, I'd like to give a special thank you to our on-location engineer, Brett Morris, and our sound engineer, John Delore. This episode of Clear and Vivid was produced by Graham Chedd with help from our associate producer, Sarah Chase. Our tech guru is Allison Costin, and our publicist is Sarah Hill. You can subscribe to my podcast for free at Apple Podcasts. For more details about Clear and Vivid and to sign up for my newsletter, please visit alanalda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Clear and Vivid. And I'm on Twitter at Alan Alda. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Next time on Clear and Vivid, I have a fascinating conversation with the great violinist Itzhak Perlman about the importance of the personal in performance. This seems to me the thing about a musical performance is that it's not showing the audience how you figured out how to play this. It's to communicate with Absolutely. them the music, yes. right? Yes, it's to tell the audience, this is my, my opinion or my way of playing this particular piece. That's me. And it's for you. Yeah. So if I play, for example, Bach, I'm not going to play Bach like I play Tchaikovsky. Join me and Itzhak Perlman next time on Clear and Vivid. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.